Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, this is Joe Castellano from thesportsvirus.com. Welcome to the Inside China Basin San Francisco Giants baseball podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, featuring players like all-star catcher Buster Posey. It's about, you know, just going out and, and trying to have passion for the game that I've loved since I was a kid. Inside China Basin is brought to you by Sun First Solar, known for delivering solar excellence since 1984 and recently voted best solar company in Marin County. We're also brought to you by TPC Harding Park, the only public golf course in San Francisco offering golfers the opportunity to play where the pros play. Coming up, we're going to talk to former KMBR talk show host Ray Woodson. But first, I want to tell you about my favorite golf course, TPC Harding Park in San Francisco. TPC Harding Park is close to the public right now as the PGA Championship will be played there August the 6th through the 9th. On August the 11th, the golf course will open up again for public play. The broadcast schedule for the PGA Championship on Thursday, August the 6th, ESPN will have live coverage starting at 1 p.m. Pacific time, same time on Friday on ESPN, and then ESPN will broadcast on Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. CBS will follow that up at 1 o'clock Pacific time, and then we'll have the schedule on Sunday of 9 a.m. on ESPN and noon on CBS All Pacific time. Get out to TPC Harding Park after the PGA Championship. Again, the course opens up on August the 11th. Well, Ray, the Giants are a team that is above 500, which is something, you know, going into the season. Who knew what you were going to get out of this Giants team? And one thing that we haven't had in San Francisco consistently in a long time is good offense. And that's something we're seeing. I mean, there's a lot to talk about on this podcast about Gabe Kapler and his decisions. But the one thing I'll say that's a major positive so far is that there are some players that are swinging the bat and the Giants are scoring some runs. So at least that's a positive, right? How about them Giants? <laughs> it's like the 2000 Giants here. Well, not exactly. But, uh, you know, a couple of things that stand out is they're drawing walks. I haven't, I haven't seen Giants teams do that in a long time. They have 23 walks in the last three games. Their on-base percentage as a team is, is seventh best in baseball. haven't seen that in a long time. But, you know, we're talking nine games, so you're going to have some statistical anomalies. Uh, I, I don't know if everybody expected Donovan Solano to continue as he did last year. Uh, you know, you're talking about a guy who's over 30, who's been kind of knocked around, and he had a nice year for the Giants last year. But I don't think anybody expected him to replicate that. Uh, hit 330, had a 409 batting average on balls in play. That right there tells you that, you know, he's bound to have some regression, but that's not been the case so far. He's had the best line drive rate the last couple of years in baseball, or one of the best, and he's just, you know, earning the nickname Donnie Barrels, right? I mean, he's. <laughs> been one of the best hitters in the game second best batting average leading and runs batted in who, who saw that coming through the first nine or ten games and you know when you have a short season like this the chance that somebody can rise up and have a you know a hot streak and a statistical anomaly uh you know gives the little guy a bit of a chance it gives the teams that uh, maybe you don't think are going to be competitive they get off to a hot start and with more playoff spots this year 
they have a better chance of cementing a spot in whatever is the postseason, assuming we have a postseason. It's uh, it's a, it's all a big lab experiment, Joe. It is a lab experiment. That's a good way to put it, <laughs> uh, you know, because there's so many new things going on, and we'll get to it around baseball, what's happening. But uh, outside of Solano, who's hitting line drives everywhere, like you're talking about, Mike Yastrzemski has been pretty incredible as well. And we saw this coming with the season he had last year. But, uh, you know, the thing that's really great about Yaz is that Kapler can put him in there against righties and lefties. And that's something that – you know, he's really been reluctant to do with some of the other hitters. So, I mean, Yaz has proven to be extremely valuable. Plus, he's a pretty good outfielder as well. So, I mean, he kind of came out of nowhere last year. His name didn't because we've heard that name forever, his grandfather being a Hall of Famer, Carl. But uh, he, he really has developed later on in his career, and uh, he looks like a mainstay for the Giants here. Yeah, he does. And, you know, you saw him last year, and I thought, well, this guy's, you know, not a prospect, hot prospect. He's an older player, kind of a late bloomer, but he looks like a pretty polished hitter and definitely had some, some thunder in that bat. Uh, the one thing that you wanted to see more out of him was a little more patience at the plate, and so Kepler stuck him in the leadoff spot, and he's taken that to heart. And, uh, you know, his strike zone judgment has been outstanding this year, and he's drawing a lot of walks uh, so far. He's kind of been the leader of the pack and the, the Giants walking more. Uh, you know, you expect it out of guys like Brandon Belt, but the, the team as a whole, that's not been their characteristic. But Yastrzemski kind of sets the tone in, in that regard. He's he's drawn more walks this year as well as the, the power that he's generated. And, of course, he had a walk-off splash hit as well a few games ago. Um, yeah, he looks like he can take on all comers. And, by the way, Donovan Solano looks like he can too. Uh, last year he was he was a little better against right-handed uh, pitching than he was left-handed pitching, and that seems to be continuing this year. So this is a guy who you know plays a pretty decent second base. That's been a hold for the Giants uh, since Joe Panic, uh, you know, kind of hit the skids a couple of years ago, and then eventually was was dealt away. Uh, this is a guy who looks like he he might be Marco Scudero for a little while, and that's you know when when I think back to the 2012 version of. Marco Scudero, that was a pretty good thing. So I don't know if that continues through the whole season, but right now, those are the two guys who have really been the catalyst. And, and by the way, Evan Longoria has looked very good since he's come back. Yeah, he had a big game for the Giants on Saturday and uh, does look really good. So good to have him back in the lineup. You know, you mentioned the lab experiment, and, you know, the entire season is that way, really for all teams. And you have the change in baseball that, that has occurred with a lot more teams going to platoons and, you know, of course, the defensive shifts. And there's so much going on as far as analytics. But I wonder, Ray, I mean, when you're just looking at the Giants and you're putting together a lineup and you've got all of these possible platoons, what does it do as far as the player's psyche? Um, You know, it started right away. uh, One of the early games, Brandon Crawford was pinched hit for. And then the defense kind of fell apart after that. And, you know, you don't really get a chance to show your manager that if you're a lefty, you can hit lefties. Or even if you're a righty, like Austin Slater is trying to be more of a regular, but he he just can't get those at-bats against right-handed pitchers because Kapler won't allow it. And I, I know it's a shorter season, and you want to try to manage like every game is so important, but... I think in baseball also, as a hitter, you need your manager to show some confidence that maybe you could play three or four games in a row against whoever is pitching because you're starting to get hot, and it doesn't matter if it's a righty or lefty. What do you think about what's going on with that? 
Well, I, I think players understand the modern game and, and you know, that, that platooning is a lot more prevalent than it used to be, but at the same time, they're competitors. And you want to know that, hey, if I, sh- I show I can stand in and as a right-handed hitter against a righty, that I'm going to get more chances to do that. But if you believe that, well, I'm just going to be platoon no matter what, uh, that takes a little edge off of it as, as far as I'm concerned, and I think that as far as some players are concerned. So you can't be a slave to the platoon if you've got a guy who you know shows he's competitive against both sides of the plate, and like I say, you know, uh, Solano or Yastrzemski. So you have to make exceptions to that rule. But I, I also think when you look at this team uh, as a whole, I mean, you know, Buster Posey's gone and, and Brandon Belt's just coming back. I mean, you, you're going to have to cobble lineups together. That's just the way it's going to be. A guy like Alex Dickerson, for example, uh, you know, probably just going to see time exclusively against righties with maybe a few exceptions. Uh, when you don't have any really outstanding hitters, you've got to tr- try to, you know, use some duct tape and some barbed wire and whatever, <laughs> you know, to, to, to get a competitive lineup out there. And I thought that was going to be a problem for the Giants this year, but... They've done a pretty good job of it lately, and you know that's one area. You know, and we can talk about Kapler's faults and strengths later on, but that's one area where I think he's done a, a decent job. And as a guy who was at times a role player and not always a regular in his major league career, I think Kapler would understand the mindset of, of players who are in this situation where they're being platooned, and he, he'd be sensitive to that. I would think that's one area. Where a guy you know who's recently played in this game uh, could could relate to the players, and we'll see how that goes. Again, it's with this big lab experiment, and I and I do think a, a lot of these players understand that as well. That in a short season, there's some things you might just have to write off and and reset again in 2021. But you know, the main thing right now is having a season and making sure everybody's safe. And as we've seen in the last few days, mixed results on that. Yeah, and more on that in just a bit as well. But I did want to finish up talking about the offense with Hunter Pence because he is really struggling, obviously. I mean, 0 for 23 to start out the season. And Gabe Kapler did come out and say that, you know, he's sticking with him, that he's a stud. And and it's really hard to to figure Pence because if you go back to a couple of years ago with the Giants, honestly, Ray, I thought he was done. I mean, he hit 226 with the Giants. And I thought, you know, it's probably time – to retire you're in your mid-30s you've pretty much lost it and then he revives his career with the Rangers he's an all-star he had an incredible first half of the season he hit 18 home runs he almost hit 300 last year so I don't know what to think of Pence I don't know how long they stay with him before maybe they pull the plug on this idea he's so valuable to the team in the clubhouse and the energy that he brings so what are your thoughts on Pence well first of all what I'm hearing uh, you know this team already has 13 coaches but when you throw in guys like Pence and Longoria and Crawford, they might have 15 or 16, mm-hmm. you know. And so, so I think Pence is kind of right now serving a role as a coach slash player. And you know, he he's a tough one because a he's built up so much equity with the Giants over the years and with the fan base, and everybody knows his contributions to a couple of championship seasons. And apparently, he's done from what I hear a pretty good job behind the scenes helping certain players with their approach. And so they end up getting 23 walks in the last three games, and they've scored seven runs in four consecutive home games, and that hasn't happened just one other time, actually. It's happened since they've opened up Oracle Park. So there are a lot of intangible contributions that Hunter Pence makes. We all know that. And 
he's had recent success last year. I remember talking to him in, in Scottsdale in spring training last year about his new batting approach that uh, was working with a coach who's worked with a couple of other players as well that have had success, including Justin Turner. So, uh, you know, you, you look at all that, are you going to take 20 at-bats and, and write, write the guy off because of that? No. Uh, n- not a guy who's a veteran, not a guy who has the, the bona fides that Hunter Pence has. Well, let's face it, even now his, uh, his approach is unorthodox. And so there are times when he's going to look really bad at the plate. We've seen that over the years. But when he connects, there's still some pop in that bat. So, you know, they're not getting much out of the designated hitter position. This is where we get the joke, this is where they miss uh, Madison Bumgarner, right? <laughs> Maybe he could have been a better DH because, you know, you're talking about change for a dollar right now as far as their batting average between Hunts and, uh, Pence and Sandoval, I should say. But I think he's one of those guys that bears, you know, hanging around with a little bit longer. Now, in a short season, maybe you can't be as patient. Probably you can't be as patient as you normally would be. Uh, you know, you can't hang on with somebody having a prolonged slump. But I don't think 20 at-bats is, is where you're going to make the final judgment on somebody with, uh, you know, the the career track record, the, the back of the uh, baseball card that, that Hunter Pence has. you, you got to give him, you know, I think a couple more weeks anyway. And the same with Sandoval. And then you make a call. We'll have more with Ray Woodson in just a moment. Jones goes back, back near the wall, shading the sun, and he dropped it. He lost the ball in the sun. Let's put the sun to good use at home. With a Sun Power residential solar system, your Sun Power elite dealer, Sun First Solar, has a wide range of financing options and they provide the finest customer service from start to finish, regardless of size or scope. Sun First Solar offers the highest efficiency systems, newest technology, and the best warranty in the world. Sun First Solar offers the most competitive price while not compromising on quality. This summer, let the sun heat your pool and eliminate your energy bill. Don't drop the ball. Call Sun First Solar at 415-458-5870. That's 415-458-5870. And get your sun power solar system today. Speaking of patience, let's talk about Gabe Kapler and his decisions as far as the pitching staff is concerned. Now, on the one hand, you've got the shorter season, which makes it, again, it's so challenging for these managers. And, and again, you've got all of this modern-day analytics that plays into when you're going to pull a pitcher. But the Giants have not had a starter go five innings so far in the first nine games of the season. And I know part of that is that the starters haven't been all that efficient. And you had a pitcher in Smiley who had a problem with his finger, so he had to be pulled out. But for the most part, it's Kapler saying, you know what? You're out. You know, you're not looking that great in the fourth inning. And even if a guy's throwing the ball pretty well, like I thought Cueto was throwing it well, I thought maybe he would stick with Samarjo a little bit longer. He wasn't pitching great, but, you know, he just he's done with somebody in the fourth inning. Now, he does have a much bigger roster, of course, right now. Right. That's going to be knocked back as we go along. But right now, he can go to a lot of matchups. But I don't know that that's, again, going to help the psyche of your overall team and those starting pitchers. I can't imagine, Ray, that a free agent starting pitcher is saying, oh, I want to go to San Francisco. I mean, that, that would be a great place to go because I'm going to get to pitch and and you know and really show what I could do as a starter. Although, again, you look around baseball and Kapler's not the only manager doing this. 
Oh no, no, no! Like I said, this is this is where you're going into the lab and you're you're mixing up chemicals to to see what you can come up with, and that's especially true with the starting pitchers. You know, you may end up blowing things up like it like it happened the, the other night with the, with Tyler Rogers, but uh, you know, like me in tenth grade chemistry, uh, it it can go really bad. But but you mean you weren't a PhD in chemistry like my dad? My dad has a PhD really? in chemistry. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, so wow. you, you didn't have that kind of. <laughs> well, of course I didn't. I <laughs> it didn't run in the family, but go ahead. <laughs> well, well, you know, maybe maybe you miss your calling and you don't know it. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe you could have been a chemist, uh, but yeah, my dad was an accountant, so that wasn't going to happen for me. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's you're going to have to find out what you got here because there's so many new faces and unknown quantities or barely known quantities, and, and you're going to mix and match and see who responds. Now, it, there, there are some starting pitchers that are a little more old school about that, like Cueto and Samarja, for example. Uh, can you imagine Bumgarner and always pulling him in the fourth inning? Uh, I, I, I think mean, that's a case where Kapler would come out of the dugout and then maybe do a U-turn, because <laughs> that's, a, that's a guy that you wouldn't want to mess with as far as that. But... Um, I think they also are realistic as to understand that we're dealing with a very unusual situation this year. And, you know, when you had to re-up spring training and all that, as we found out, you're going to have a spike in injuries among pitchers. So, yeah, you have to be extra careful with those guys. And so there's going to be a shorter leash on starting pitching. At the same time, you'd like to have somebody go five innings. Looked like Smiley was headed in that direction last night. He was looking pretty good last couple of innings, and then he developed a problem with the index finger. So, um, yeah, I think if you're an old-school guy or older-school guy, you might have a little problem with this right now. Um, and I'm sure there are discussions going on about that. And as time goes on, and you do have to pare down the roster, and, and Kapler doesn't have that raft of starting pitchers, and the or, or relievers, I should say, and the starting pitchers maybe develop a little more stamina then you go that direction. But I understand early in the season when, you know, it's just been so disjointed why you want to be careful with the starting pitching. I would hope and expect that a few of these guys are going to be able to go a little bit longer as, as whatever this season is progresses. Well, last week I had George Contos, the former Giants reliever, on the podcast. He's now with NBC Sports Bay Area. And here's what he said about bullpen roles and his opinion on it. In order to give your pitchers the the best chance to, to succeed, they have to have confidence go, uh, going into these situations, knowing what their job and what is expected of them. Um, I remember in 2017, early in the season, we kind of did this little round round robin thing where where you know everyone was kind of just all hands on deck. And I think within the first two weeks, we had scrapped that, and some roles were starting to be given just because that's you know in my opinion the the best way that guys who are routine-oriented like relievers are, function at their highest level. That's former Giants reliever George Contos on last week's Inside China Basin. Do you agree with what he was saying there, Ray? Uh, Absolutely, especially when you have uh, a veteran bullpen that's been together for a few years, and Contos was part of that with the championship team. And as we know, the core four was a common denominator with the Giants' three World Series championships. And they knew their roles for the most part. That got a little off track at, at the 2016 playoffs 
and the 2016 season, and there was some grumbling about that with Bruce Bochy, as you'll remember. I mean, this guy, Bruce Bochy, is one of the best in handling bullpens that we've ever seen in the major leagues, but even he, you know, had to deal with that, with with relief pitchers, you know, getting shifted around. They don't like that. Uh, they're, they're, you know, kind of like my cats. They love a routine. They expect the routine, right? When you get up at six, they're going to be sitting there waiting for their food, right? You better, you better damn well get it, or you're going to have to answer to them, right? Yeah, so, you can't sleep in then, okay? No, no, no. They're not going to let you because they're going to jump on you and start licking your face. But uh, and I don't think any relief pitchers have done that with the managers yet. But but hell, it's 2020. Anything's possible. So um, yeah, you want to have that defined role, especially as, as you, you have a longer season. But again, we don't have that this year. And we have a lot of young pitchers who are trying to, you know, get a foothold in the game. So they're just trying to have a job, much less a role, uh, you know, if they get established. And if you get a few guys established in a bullpen, yes, and you know what they can do and their best use and, you know, the best matchups, then you can start defining roles. But we're not there yet. Uh, we're, we're in the fact-finding process right now, and that's evident in how Gabe Kapler is making many, many moves. Uh, and, you know, listen, uh, it's like a carpenter with tools. Uh, you know, you, you're going to find a way to use all the tools that you bought because you, you want to see what you can do. So I think that's where Kapler is right now. And, you know, as time goes on, maybe uh, some guys will have to, some defined roles. But right now, that's all up in the air. We'll continue the conversation with Ray Woodson right after this. We all know that solar systems make financial sense and environmental sense. And when it comes to choosing the best installation crew in the business, Sun First Solar should be your first choice. Sun First Solar has provided solar excellence since 1984. They are SunPower Elite Commercial and Elite Residential Installers with a reputation for technical excellence, innovative design, fair pricing, excellent customer service, and end-to-end quality and competence. SunFirst Solar is a family business devoted to treating their employees, customers, the community, and the environment with respect, and they are devoted to renewable energy and sustainability throughout the Bay Area. There is no roof or project that is too complicated. SunFirst has successfully installed solar on Spanish tile roofs, metal roofs, and very steep roofs. They also have extensive experience in solar ground mounts and solar pool heating. Competitive pricing, expert consultation, and the best warranty. Go local and get your Sun Power solar system from Sun First Solar today. Call Sun First Solar at 415 458 5870. That's 415-458-5870. This weekend, a lot of people around baseball, you know, especially in the media, not not so much uh, hearing it from players, but especially in the media, we're hearing people talking about how maybe the baseball season should be canceled because of what's going on. Uh, You've got a number of games that have been postponed or canceled, and, you know, you've got – it started with the Marlins – uh, and then they were worried about the Phillies and the Orioles, and now you got the Cardinals with some players testing positive, and you've got Lorenzo Cain opting out, and you got Joey Votto who uh, has COVID symptoms. Right. you got all kinds of stuff going on, Ray. So uh, in your opinion, uh, was this a mistake to have baseball going on? How much do you think it's in jeopardy based on recent events? I think it's very much in jeopardy. Uh, what do you have, six teams not playing this weekend? Yeah. Uh, you, and And – I was telling people on Twitter after the Marlins outbreak, you think it's going to stop here? 
it, it's not. Uh, we're, we're dealing with still, I, I think, in many ways, an unknown quantity with this virus. We know it's contagious, highly contagious. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're going to find out as time goes on just how contagious, uh, given whatever circumstances you have. And with baseball, what you have, I think, is pressure from owners to make some money and to jam a square peg in a round hole. Uh, you know, with the NBA, and I'm sure there's pressure with owners there, too, they're trying to use the bubble in Orlando and, and hope that works out. Uh, that might be a better way to go about it, because with baseball, the problem is you've got teams traveling, and you've got teams in clubhouses, and you've got players who, you know, you're trying to regulate what they do off the field, but also on the field. And, you know, Rob Manfred made a statement yesterday that rubbed me the wrong way. Um, talk about, I'm not a quitter. The players need to be better. There's no reason we can't continue the season if we follow the protocol. Well, first of all, nobody cares whether you're a quitter or not. Nobody wants to hear you build yourself up. Second of all, <laughs> when you talk about the players need to be better, uh, it sounds like you're just throwing them under the bus and blaming them. It's not that they don't need to be better. It's not that that's part of the problem. But this reminds me of when Mike Nolan was coach of the 49ers and they lose a game, and he blamed the execution. All right? So it wasn't, wasn't the coaching staff's game plan that was the problem. It was executing our game plan. So <laughs> then it, it, you throw it on the players, right? Right. Well, players are going to be players. I mean, and in this case, habits die hard. That's just the way it is. So you see guys spitting. You see guys not wearing the masks in the dugout. Uh, you know, not all of them. Uh, I see a majority now wearing masks, but still some who aren't. And I see guys crowding together when there's ample opportunity for them to sit in the stands, right, under the canopies or whatever. But uh, they're not all doing that because, as a player, you want to be with your team, right? You want to have some sort of camaraderie. So you want to stay in that dugout, and that's the instinct. So I think the problem is, while Major League Baseball has a protocol out there, that maybe the protocol wasn't as tight as it needed to be, and maybe the culture wasn't as tight as it needed to be as far as impressing upon players how important it was to adhere to these guidelines at all times. That starts at the top. So you can't sit there as Rob Manfred and just say, well, the players need to be better. Everybody needs to be better, or this is done. And it very well may be done anyway, despite people's best efforts. That's the problem here. You know, if you did everything right, there still may be issues with teams in terms of outbreaks, depending on where you are. If you're in Florida and you're in a hot spot, or Arizona and you're in a hot spot, uh, some things may actually be beyond your control. But you damn well better try to control the things you can. And we're not seeing that. We're not seeing that among some players. We're not seeing that as far as the whole protocol of Major League Baseball. And, and maybe, you know, the, the hindsight is twenty twenty. but this is something that I think we talked about at the, the, the very start of this. When you've got teams traveling, how's that going to work out? I'm not traveling right now, and I'm not traveling with a team, but I'm being extra careful. Imagine if you're with a bunch of people. You know, you have multiple opportunities for exposures. Uh, what's the math on that? So um, this, this was problematic from the get-go as far as trying to make things as normal as possible. I get it. You want to get these games on TV, and I think as far as the, the stadium experience, that's been pretty good. But the number one problem is you've got teams traveling. And you've got certain clubhouses and certain players that haven't t taken it as seriously as they want to. 
There are other teams that, from what I've heard, they've had team meetings. They've talked about this. I think Mike Matheny was one of them, saying, hey, look, uh, if you want to play this game, uh, everybody wants to be back. But if you don't do the right things as far as mask wearing, as far as social distancing, as far as not having contact with people as much as possible when you're off the field, we're done. This isn't going to work. So it's up to you guys to make it happen uh, on the field. Uh, And I think a lot of players have. A lot of players have decided to opt out, as we've seen with Buster Posey and and, uh, now the latest Lorenzo King. But it still may not be good enough. Uh, And I I don't think anybody would be shocked if we find out there's another outbreak with another team in the next week or so. And if that happens, I think they're going to have to shut it down. I think what you're talking about as far as the travel is right on, uh, Ray, because I I think the travel is where you really get into the danger zone. Uh, We don't know what's going on when these guys travel. Uh, As far as on the field, yeah, every once in a while you run into a situation like that bad rundown the Giants had on Saturday night, (laughs) and and then a bunch of players are all together. And I started to think, wait a minute, you know, I felt bad for the umpire, Jim Wolfe, he got maybe a concussion out of that. He had no mask on, so I'm starting to no think, mask. yeah, why aren't umpires wearing masks? I mean, what's the reason? They're not playing in the game. They don't have to breathe that hard. Like, why aren't they wearing masks? Just little things like that. Well, yeah, it's touch and go. It depends on who you're looking at. Some are, some aren't. And that's, you know, that's a microcosm of the country. Some people are getting serious about it. Others aren't taking it seriously. And if we had had a unified approach from the get-go, we would have been in a much better situation and, you know, sacrifice uh, for a few weeks, as some countries have done. And, you know, for example, Korea, they were, they were back to playing baseball weeks ago. We could have been there, right? We could have had, you know, a, a lot more of the normal things that we come to expect and, and a lot less death toll if, if we, as a country, were unified in fighting this. But we weren't. So here we are. And we've got over 150,000 people dead. And the prediction is possibly a quarter million by the end of the year, maybe more. And and we may end up getting a second wave of business shutting down again. Uh, it didn't have to be this way. But that's where we are. I remember talking about this in March when the NBA was on the eve of uh, shutting down. And it was obvious to the, us at that time that that had to happen. Uh, you know, the science was telling you how serious, how, how serious this was and how contagious this disease was. But there are differing opinions about that around the country. So uh, until we're unified on it, uh, I think we're going to be dealing with problems like this. We're going to be dealing with a a stop-and-start Major League Baseball season, and and frankly, that's going to be the least of our problems, if if that's the case. And to to tell you the truth, if if baseball isn't playing, then I would hope that the testing ability that they have and the quick results would be made available to teachers, for example, and, and kids in school, if you want, if you want to have them go back to school, uh, you know, the general public would like to have that quick turnaround on testing because there are people who are waiting 14 days for tests, and that does no good at all. So, I mean, for baseball, if you're going to do it, yes, you have to have the quick turnaround on testing, and that's happening. But uh, even with that, right, we're still dealing with problems with more than than 30. Uh, positive test, and then you have the case of Eduardo Rodriguez, young pitcher for the Red Sox, and he's dealing with heart issues. So, you know, even though fatalities, thankfully, are not having a Major League Baseball right now, uh, and you hope it doesn't happen in the general population, and you hope the death rate goes down, 
there are still people dealing, young people who are going to be dealing with lifelong medical issues. And for the case of Edward, Eduardo Rodriguez, who knows, it might end his career. I hope not. So <laughs> we need to grow up on this. And I want baseball. Believe me, I, I love talking about it with you. I love talking about it with fans on Twitter. It's what I did, uh, you know, for more than a decade doing Giants postgame shows during championship seasons. It gives me a good feeling at a time where we desperately need that. But uh, if baseball is not up to the task of doing what they need to do to keep the game going, I'd rather, for the sake of safety, that they shut down and we just revisit it again in 2021, and hopefully we have better circumstances in that time. Yeah, and the fear I have is that the other sports are really going to be in trouble if baseball fails. They're probably not even going to be able to get going. I mean, you look at football – I would imagine they may not admit it, but they're looking at what's going on with baseball right now. And if it fails, then uh, you've got a big problem on your hands as far as the NFL or you know college, which we know that is really yeah. iffy at the, at the moment. Well, yeah, and there, there there's a whole set of other issues labor wise with college that you know, for example, Pac-12 players are starting to speak out about. But you know, that's the world we live in now. Believe me, Joe. I'd much rather talk about the Giants' sloppy defense and the inability to do rundowns. <laughs> you know, we, we all would. But these are not normal times. They're just not. And by the way, uh, the final thing I did want to talk about with Kapler is, on the one hand, I give him a lot of credit. I mean, he seems like a good guy. I mean, he's always wearing the mask. He, uh, yes. you know, he's supporting the Black Lives Matter movement, which both of us support big time. So we like that about him. But, uh, you know, the analytics, we already talked about that. And he's really got to he's got to be a little bit more on point when it comes to uh, visiting the mound because he pulled a Don Mattingly <laughs> and he tried to go out there after the pitching coach did. And I didn't think that was the worst mistake ever. There was a lot more attention to it than I thought it even deserved. But I will say this. He owned up to it. I mean, he right away owned it and didn't make excuses about it, just took took the blame, and we need to, more people to do that kind of stuff in every every walk of life. Well, I'm glad he did that. It's really the only way he could respond, because it was a gaffe, it, you know, as far as influencing the outcome of the game. No, it didn't do that. Uh, you know, Rodgers had to stay in, and I think it was a squeeze bunt that scored the 12th run of the game. <laughs> you know, probably the bigger issue was why Rodgers was still in there, uh, that you know, after giving up the four runs before that, that's a whole other discussion. Um, but it's a bad look. There's no doubt about it. Especially when you consider a couple of years ago when he was a rookie Phillies manager, he called on a pitcher who hadn't even warmed up yet right. in the bullpen. So, so now you've got these two incidents. But you know, they he just got here. They've made a commitment to him, and you just hope it doesn't happen again. And if it does, then and we start seeing a repeat of this. Then we got a problem, right? Uh, if it if it's something that costs a team a game, because the thing with Bruce Bochy throughout most of his career with the Giants that you could count on is that he wasn't going to make those kinds of mental mistakes. That that he was going to be the guy to uh, figure out the the other team was making a mistake, which he did against the Dodgers and Don Mattingly a decade ago. Uh, you know, it gives. The fan base that gives the players comfort knowing that, hey, this, this manager is on the ball and he's going to be a plus for us. And, and you know, the, the discussion and debate goes on all the time just how much of a difference a manager makes. Well, anybody who's watched this game a long time can tell you a manager can make a difference because you're not just managing analytics, you're managing people. And, and I, I would hope that Gabe Kapler will have 
some strength as far as people skills because you know we know he's heavily in analytics this is this is the new era uh, with Farhan Zaidi this is the kind of uh, mind that you're going to get uh, in the dugout and in the front office that's the way it is now it's the way it is for a lot of teams but it's still a game played by men and you know very competitive and ambitious young men who want to make a want to make some money but also love playing the game so you've got to balance all of that uh, I you know, I'm I'm not going to talk about the off season and the controversy around Kapler. We've already gone through that. He's here. He's the manager. But you know, he's a guy who is going to because of the controversies and because of what happened in Philadelphia and because really they were a mediocre team and I think a disappointment. He's got to build up equity. Uh, so the only way he could start doing that was to own up to it. And, and again, I'm glad he did that. But he, he, what it's going to mean now is he's going to be under an even bigger microscope no doubt about that and i just i'm hungry for a starter to go five innings ray it's got to happen <laughs> soon maybe jeff samarjo although he's not throwing the ball as hard as he did last year so far no uh, somebody's got to go five innings please well it'd be nice if it happened in colorado right because i mean the, the good thing is they're going to have the roster of 30 for all but the last game in colorado they're probably going to need it all but that's a place where you'd like to see a, a starter go uh, you know, a little extra, and and put and put keep the team team in the game because you know that you're going to be playing the chess match with the bullpen. Uh, and again, there's there's the three batter rule now, but that that that's going to still be a, a tough tough task for a manager to manage in Coors Field, no matter what. Uh, with that new rule, makes it a little tougher. But you're still going to have a, a just a raft of relievers you're going to want to use in that series. But I would think, you know, it's just one of those, again, weird things about this year, Joe, uh, that a lot of these starting pitchers just haven't built up the endurance. And, again, we've had a spike in injuries. So you've got to be extra careful with those guys. But I think as time goes on, uh, if we continue to play, you're going to see that. You're going to see guys start going five. I mean, Cueto's going to want to be in that mindset. Uh, I think Samarja is one of those guys who's just having a little bigger problem ramping up once again. Uh, as a, a veteran pitcher, and you know, I know people harp on the contract. It hasn't been quite as bad as people think. And actually, he was a pretty good pitcher last year. So uh, you, you hope he gets it together because that's that's guy is going into his contract year. Uh, it, it's all just so weird. I don't know what to expect, Joe. I mean, the Giants are five and four in their playoff spots, and we have more playoff spots this year. So you're telling me there's a better chance? I mean, that's <laughs> that's the one thing about this year. For all you know, their their roster deficiencies, and they've got some. They got a shot. They got a better shot than they had last year. Absolutely. So far, pretty exciting. Ray, thanks a lot, and uh, stay safe, my friend. Doing my best. Um, you know, especially for somebody like me, we, we try to be extra careful. My wife and myself. So we're we're staying here in Arizona for now. We miss our our friends and family and the fans in California. That's why we're doing what we're doing now, so we can meet again, hopefully soon. That's former KMBR talk show host Ray Woodson. Join us again next week for another edition of Inside China Basin on the Believe Podcast Network. For now, I'm Joe Castellano from thesportsvirus.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.